Hello and welcome. This is Lindsay of Lindsay Lou Rogers for the Momentum Talk Show. And today I have with me Aruna Krishnan, author of the Busy Mind series. Say hello, Aruna. Hello, everyone. So happy to have you here. I have one of your books here with me today, Lead That Thing, which I got an autographed copy of. So I'm so thankful for that. So I'll begin by letting you all know what Momentum stands for, and then we will learn more about Aruna and her story. So Momentum was a download that I received about a year ago, and it stands for Monumental Opportunity Manifesting Extraordinary New Times Upon Man and Womankind. So we are happy to have Aruna here today, and I'll say take it away, Aruna. You can tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, my name is Aruna Krishnan. I am an author, podcaster, and a uh, management consultant. Uh, I met Lindsay through the dots, and uh we realized very recently that we have a lot in common and uh, we enjoy talking to each other. Um, and today, definitely, I'd love to share things that I've learned through my journey and uh, and hopefully you can learn something from that too. Wonderful. That was great. So our first question for you today is, what is one thing that motivated you in childhood? That's a really interesting question, Lindsay, because I was thinking about this and uh in childhood, growing up in Africa, for one, I was in a small community, Indian community in Africa, and I think the lifestyle there was pretty much, it's your home life, your school life, and a very small social circle. So the question of motivation, at least as a child, never really came in. It was so sheltered, so structured that you never even really had to think about it. It was like, you do it because you have to do it. Like in many ways, I think it was easy to raise kids in that kind of environment because um, nothing's ever questioned, right? So once you once I started to get into uh, the teenage years, then it's it then it falls more on myself. Like, how do I motivate myself? because then you're starting to deal with more things. And it's about the need to succeed, right? It's the need to succeed. So you work really hard because you want to do well and you never, nobody wants to fail. It's always this, there's this big stigma with failing, right? In terms of motivation, it's always like wanting to not fail. I would, I would put it that way. It really evolved once I started to go to college and then once I started to work. So my in my early career and in college, it, it was kind of the same thing as, you know, not wanting to fail. And then once I became a career woman, it was, okay, how do I do my best? How do I prove that, you know, I'm capable of this? And um, how do I get to the next level? So there was always this thing about going to the next level. So you always find yourself in the state of, I'm never really happy until I get to this stage. You get to that stage and you're like, yeah, you know, I got here. So what's next? And you keep going, you keep going. And then you never, that happiness seems to evade you because you keep trying to shoot for something. It's like, you treat it more like a destination rather than a state, right? A state of your mind. That was beautiful. You treat it like a destination rather than a state of your mind. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And and if you did treat it like a state of mind, that would really change things, I think. 
For yeah, for sure. And I think that was really a lesson I learned at a certain point in my life. And I think we we had talked about this at, at one point, Lindsay, where sometimes you have to be at the lowest point in your life for you to realize a lot of things, to question a lot of things in life and how you do things. And that was my turning point in life where I was at the point of, uh, I would say it was depression and it was like not feeling like I had support from people around me or even family for that matter. I felt like I had to find an answer and it was more within myself. I felt like spirituality had to be my answer. So growing up, uh, spirituality was more like around, I, I, I was brought up as a Hindu, but I think the way it was executed in terms of religion, it was more of the ritualistic side. I And it wasn't so much like the the actual lessons of Hinduism, the deep down lessons, weren't so easily available unless I personally went and wanted to research it. Because when I think about it in in mainstream religion, it's more about, you end up getting much more caught up in the ritualistic side unless you actually intentionally go and try and say, what are some of the lessons behind all these things? Why do we do these? You have to have that questioning mindset, right? So what I did was uh, I, I went to many, many different spiritual texts. And what I came out with was at the end of the day, it's all up to us and it's all in us to define how can we be good people and how, and by being good people, how we find that happiness. So it's in our mind and how we react to stuff. We really control the trajectory of our lives based on how we think. So for me, it was I needed to flush a lot of stuff out, like the way I had been going through life. You know, we talked about, oh, trying to get to the next level, trying to, that was just a really bad, a really bad way of doing things because it's like you have these expectations. So knowing number one, expectations is the worst thing. So I have this math type of formula that happiness is inversely proportional to expectations. So that's something. Thing I always remind myself, if I catch myself having a certain expectation, you're like, oh, yeah, maybe scale that back. And or if I find myself disappointed, it's like, well, did I have a wrong expectation? And is that why I'm disappointed? So then it kind of comes back and then resets. I'm like, okay. So then, um, uh, like I said, I had to flush out a lot of stuff. And so I kind of got into meditation and like really just more meditation in the traditional sense more because I had to completely reset. What that really taught me was to be able to slow down and think about things from the other person's perspective, which I really hadn't done previously. Like it's not natural. Like when something happens, you always think about the impact to you and it's not natural for you to really stop and say, hey, well, maybe maybe they were having a bad day or where's this coming from? Or is there something that I could have done different, right? All that type of reflection. That's what meditation teaches you is to slow down your mind. I mean, it's not, it's not literally now you're just talking it like, one word per minute, but it's like your mind is able to slow things down and process process things for you so that you're not so impulsive. Incidentally, in the Busy Mind series, the first book really gets into this. 
I, I lay it out as a framework called stop, wait, go, right? So when you're reacting or when you're feeling flustered, then it's the stop. So stop and, and check on your, on, on your body. Be aware of what are you feeling? Like, is your breath rate really fast? Is your heart rate really fast? Are you tightening up? up so just kind of recognizing those signs and then you know if you are then it's time to wait and the wait truly is just that analysis phase and and, and a lot of times it's, it's very simple like you you can say take yourself out of the situation say walk away from it and say let let me come back or if you're in the heat of it you just take that step back and say i'm not going to react to this I'm going to let this play out because if I react right away, it's more because it, it's not going to be a thought out reaction and it's more uh, defending my ego, right? You know, so, and, and, and a lot of time we do that, like when we, when someone says something to us, we feel it, when we react, it's because we feel like, oh, how, how dare they say something to us? And that's like defending our, our ego or our perception of ourself. So then that's the weight. And that gives you a chance to really say like, okay, um, have I thought about everything? And, and by that time, you should recheck and see like, how do you feel? Has your heart rate come back to normal? And if you've gone done a genuine job of doing that analysis, then you can go, which is you can react and feel good about how you react because you've really thought it out. So uh, yeah, that's really a summary of my 10 years of kind of uh, applying that type of thinking. Um, I did the traditional meditation for about a year, and then it became more of the mindfulness as in, you know, when you're driving and, you know, you, you find yourself transcending or if you're working out or if you're taking a walk, just being aware, hear the birds, you know, hear every single thing. And you just realize your awareness is much more there. It changed a lot for me once I went down that journey, my, my relationship with my kids, with my husband, with my coworkers, with my extended, with my relatives, even those that I had had a lot of conflict with, those actually ended up turning, turning around and people recognized me for who I was and appreciate me for who I was, which was quite a turn. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. You're welcome. I really like that. And I like how you talk about the physical aspect as well. It's really probably hits home for a lot of people to think about the heart rate and the breathing and then reacting. And mm -hmm. yeah, the senses. Wow, that was great. <laughs> so I think you touched on one of the questions was the, the turning point about um, finally giving up control. So that was great. And being open to sharing your true gifts with the world. Was there mm -hmm. any piece of that you wanted to add to regarding really being seen for who you were? Yeah, I think what that did for me was, you know, I talked about earlier in my life, it was just that motivation being the fear of failure. So another thing really I learned from the mindfulness part was not feeling the need to be validated by others, right? Because I think for a long time, especially I think what drove me to the point of depression was that need for validation and not from like a broad audience, but even the people that you consider are close to you. And once I gave that up, I think what that did for me was really open up my openness to trying new things, even if it didn't fit with expectations of people, even if it didn't fit with the norms of community or anything like that. So I tried a lot of new different things. And what 
happened in the processes. I learned about myself. I learned about how strong I truly am. I went on this athletic journey. I did a marathon and triathlons, which were um, actually really enhanced my spiritual journey because it really hit home what I'm capable of. Like I've never had any athletic experience other than going to the gym like three times a week and I'm doing these endurance events. It showed me how strong I am and how I can learn and how I just persevere. And, um, and, and it was a lesson to me that if I can do this, I really can do anything. It's really up to me, right? And does it matter that I wasn't, I didn't come first in the triathlon? Of course not. Does it matter that I was maybe in the bottom five percentile? Of course not. Because guess what? I finished, <laughs> right? That was my goal. I finished. And uh, not a lot of people can say they finished a marathon. That's, that's really one of the most difficult things, right? So then just really appreciating that about myself. I think that really built me up. And that fear of failure just completely disappeared. And it's like, what's the worst that can happen? So I started to feel like, what's the worst that can happen? Okay, you fail. And what does that mean? That means that the next time you do it, you're going to try something different. And then when you have that kind of mindset, you're really just unstoppable. I, I love that you can translate the lessons you learned physically into other mm -hmm. areas of your life. That's really powerful and empowering. So I mean, mm -hmm that people could do lots of things out there physically um, or not. I mean, mentally, and then you can translate that physically or into your work life or personal life or family mm -hmm. life. Um, yeah, that's amazing. That's a really great story, Rena. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't know yeah. that. That's really great to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> Thanks you. for sharing. Yeah. One thing I would add there was, because I think this can translate both ways, is with that athletic journey, I had a personal trainer, and I think I, I do give him credit for giving me that sort of a turning point because he would constantly say to me like, Oh, it's all mental. It's all mental. Like if I would say, I can't, I can't, I can't. And he did a great job and he was like, yeah, yeah, you can. It's all mental. It's, it's not, it's not physical. That, that point just really got dr driven home. Cause like example, I started my first swim lesson with him. I couldn't even get through one, one length of the pool and then at the end of the journey, I was swimming half a mile, right? <laughs> so, so it's very true. I mean, he wasn't just making that up. It was, it is mental. And it's your ability to, you know, push yourself and see how, you know, not just give up. And for a while, like his voice would be in my head when I'm practicing. I'm like, okay, what would he say? He would say it's mental. And then that would push me. And, I, and, and it, it was like, you live it and then you believe it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's your, your the proofs in the pudding. Yeah, you, mm -hmm. <laughs> you definitely know. Wow. Yeah, that's that's good to remember is that um, it's all mental. So you can really mm -hmm. overcome a lot of things that way if you put your mind to it. Um, if you could explain your true mission in life in one sentence, what would that be? Yeah, I love that. And uh, I feel like I've come up upon my mission really after my transformation. And that is to help people find happiness before it's too late. And can you touch on, that's beautiful, beautiful mission. Can you touch on before it's too late? Why that is such yeah. like the timing maybe this? Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna use one of my uh, guests 
lines here. So I had a guest uh, on, on my show and uh, his name is Trav Bell and he calls himself the bucket list guy. So he has a very similar story to mine, but, and so he goes around uh, helping people reach their goals, but he, he uses the word expiry date, right? So you want to find your happiness, do things before you reach your expiry date. So the too late is basically before you pass, right? Because from what I've seen, having gone through this journey and with people really close to me is they've held on to a lot of hurt and a lot of unhappiness unnecessarily, right? Because now that I've gone through this, I know that you can let go of a lot of stuff and you can change your life no matter how old you are. Because people think like I'm 60, I am. I can't change the way I am, but then yet you're hanging on to hurt from 30 years ago. How is that serving you? In fact, it's killing you every day, right? Yeah. So yeah, definitely helping them find that happiness sooner than, you know, let, let them take all the sadness to the grave because that's really sad. Right. And I think, it, well, I feel the same as you. I've seen, you know, I say if you're eight or you're 80, it doesn't matter what your number years of life has been. You can make those changes. And yes, you know, sooner rather than later would be nice. And I still think that it's, I've seen it in my lifetime. It's possible no matter what age you are, it's, mm-hmm. it, you can still do it in your lifetime. So I feel like that's really motivates a broad span of people. Right. And a lot of times it's that unwillingness to want to change because it's change is hard. Change is hard. Whether you think about organizational change is never easy. It takes effort. And it's always easier to take, you know, the simple way out and say like, oh, no, that person has to do this. It's harder to really say, I'm going to take accountability for my life. It's like, no, I'm not going to interact with these people because they're not good. And I'm going to continue to be the way I am because I don't want to change. And that's a, resist, a resistance to change, but you're actually not serving yourself very well by doing that. Right. I love that. Yeah. Make the decision to change. Yeah. That's empowering as well. Yeah. So what is something that you do um, that people may not know just from looking at your social media or your website about you personally? Yeah, I had to think about this a little bit because I think I do post quite a bit um, and and the stuff that's exciting to me, I post quite a bit. So in terms of the podcast and the books and everything. But one thing I've noticed in my theme in the last, say, five, six years is I bring positivity to every team or every environment that I am in. I don't know that I'm doing it consciously, but I think it's become a part of me that I'm able to help people see the positive in every situation. You know, if they're flustered or whatever, I'm able to calm them down or, you know, help them see that things are not as bad as they are. So maybe just being that that calm influence um, on people's lives is is really what I do. Yeah, that's so grounding. I mean, that know that your presence is grounding. And by pointing out that one ray of hope or that, you know, one yeah. grain of sand that's that's positive can really turn. And all you need is that one, sometimes that one friend or that one comment from your coach to get you through. It might just be the tiniest little thing, but it's something. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add today? 
I think I really enjoyed this conversation and I always love to talk about, you know, philosophical things and spiritual things and transformation because it's so meaningful to my life and it's something I've lived. Um, so thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. It's been wonderful to have you. And where can people find you, Aruna? Yeah. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Aruna Krishnan, and uh, on my website, uh, my company's website, which is optim-strategies.com. So on there, you'll find uh, even my blog for my podcast, as well as uh, a forum for any of the topics, business topics. And what's the name of your podcast? Um, the name of my podcast is Lead That Thing, just like the book. There you go. Okay. So everyone can find that. And, and where can they get the books if they'd like their own copy? Yeah. Um, all three of my books are available on amazon.com. So you can check those out there. Thank you. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was great to have you. Till next time.